What's going on, y'all? Welcome back to Four Score Sports. As always, you guys know what's going on here. As always, we have the same group going on. I'm Ryan. We have Mr. Devontae Keith. You. And we have Mr. Colton Powell. Yo, what's good? And we have Mr. Grant Wooten. He's back this week. What's going on? So this week, basically, we're going to go over the same things as normal. NFL, a little bit of college football. You know, we just had the national championship. NBA, there's been some new trades, some new things going on there. We have some more individualized stuff that we're going to kind of talk about together. And then we're going to end off with a little bit of baseball. But to get started, always NFL. Biggest things going on there, playoffs. We know that's going on. Uh, the biggest things I can take away from this past week are this. the main thing sticking to my mind is the Steelers getting demolished by the Cleveland Browns. That's and uh, Seattle losing as well, but the Steelers losing to the Browns after, you know, slight work. I, I was wrong with my prediction. I was like they barely beat a third string team, and then they go out there and score twenty eight in the first quarter. Um, Big Ben played horrible, and everything like that. I mean, I I just was not expecting that in any way, shape, or form. So, I'm shocked on that. Matt, what are y'all thinking about that? Did we mostly say. I'll say um, the Steelers will win, or did somebody say the Browns? I I can't remember what I said, but I know that today they just fired uh, the offensive coordinator, and uh, I don't I don't know what Big Ben's future is looking like. I'm guessing they're gonna ride with him, but I, I guess we'll find out after the draft. I mean, based on what I saw, I was in the was on the podcast last week. Based on what I saw. Following the loss and all the videos, I think everyone might have saw the video of Big Ben and Pouncey sitting on the bench, you know, having an emotional moment afterwards and towards the end of the fourth quarter. Uh, I don't know. I think the Steelers might move on from Big Ben, but I'm agree and say that they might stick with him one more year, see what's going on. Maybe Pouncey retires, but the future for a lot of people in Pittsburgh is very cloudy. Yeah. I mean, I, I like my thing is if they do stick with Big Ben, I think they'll definitely have to draft a quarterback, like first round, second round, let him grow for a year at least. Um, I mean, because veteran experience, like Big Ben's going to be great to learn from as long as he's not being super selfish in the locker room, you know. But um, I know like Juju's got an expiring contract, and that's going to be a big thing, like, because he has not had 100, he's only had 100 yard games since Antonio Brown left or something similar to that. You know, they have Johnson and Claypool already. So, like, what do they do there? I think the Steelers' defense – okay, their offense, when the, the Steelers' offense plays at their best, I think they're one of the best offenses in the league. But, I mean, the defense, for a lot of the games this season, carried that team. That defense is just covered with stars. Uh, almost every position, you got a star player there. So, I mean, the Steelers are going to have to definitely look at retaining their defense and trying to build back having a consistent offense again. Um, yeah, I think – I think um, I originally had Pittsburgh winning the game because my thought process was Cleveland is a, is a run-first team and Pittsburgh does a really good job of shutting down the run. Um, but my – I think with Pittsburgh going into next year, I feel like if Ben wants to play, 
Um, if he decides that he doesn't want to retire, I feel like Pittsburgh will have him back for another year for sure. Um, going off what Ryan said, drafting another quarterback, that situation is tricky just for the main pack. If I'm looking at where the Steelers pick, I'm thinking Lance Wilson, Lance Wilson, Lawrence, Fields, and Jones, all five of them should be off the board. Um, because you're talking about like 18, 19, somewhere around there. I, I don't think that any of – I think all of them will go top 15 for sure. Um, Juju is a free agent. I can't – I couldn't justify paying more than, I don't know, $10 million for Juju in my opinion. They're, they're going to – I think Juju's going to want to stay and he's going to make the Steelers overpay him. That's how I that's think he's going to get overpaid no matter where he goes. I think I think he's going to get overpaid. Um, Bud I mean, Dupree, his, I know he's coming off an injury, but he was franchise tag, so he's going to be a free agent, like Grant yeah. said, going with their defense. But my thing with the Steelers' offense, um, alluding to that, um, I just don't think they scored the ball enough. They didn't, in my opinion, they didn't run the ball. The offensive line is one of the best offensive lines in football when it's healthy, and I don't think that James Conner's a scrub, but when Big Ben is throwing the ball 50, 60 times a game, you can't expect to win. That's my thing, but, Yeah. The, the whole Juju situation is the leverage he's got is essentially he's going to say that he frees up Johnson and Claypool to get their right. targets. He's going to say, well, I'm the, I like, he's the youngest person off his rookie contract, you know, because like he came into the league at what, 20, 20 years old, I believe. Yeah, yeah, like that. So he's young to be a first time free agent, you know, he's yeah. young. He's not horrible, and he's going to say, like, I bring in a lot of jersey sales for Pittsburgh, too. You know, I'm one of the most mm-hmm. popular players. Like, whether you like him or not, like, everybody knows who Juju is. And before mm-hmm. this season, before probably week eight, he was probably the most loved player in the NFL. And then him and Claypool just got a whole, got, got way ahead of themselves. So hey, Juju does have some bargaining power like that because, I mean, it's going to be one of the cool things if Juju goes somewhere else to buy his jersey. So like that, that's just bringing money to it. For you sure. Know? For sure. I'm, I'm just curious to see how much money he gets. That's my thing. I, I, I like I couldn't justify 10 to 12. That that's I, the highest I could go. See, I don't agree with it from a production standpoint, but I think he's gonna be a top 10 highest paid receiver in the league after his new contract. I don't agree from with that. From a production standpoint, that makes no sense. But what you're saying about jersey sales and bringing in – talking about in media, about how it's going to get buzzed, whatever t- team he signs about. But in my – like, like if I'm looking from a straight production and talent standpoint, I can't justify saying that Juju Smith-Schuster is a top 20 receiver in the oh, NFL, I top 25. I, I, I couldn't. But I think wherever you go, like I said, I think he'll get overpaid. It's unfortunate, but – like my friend, for example, said that that he of Steelers fan said that he should. He asked me how much money Amari Cooper was getting paid, and I told him twenty mil. He said, "Oh, the Juju should get at least twenty-two. Oh, <laughs> I'm like, oh, okay, let's let's lower all there. But uh, like ten, 10 to twelve, that's a, as high as I would go. I agree with that. I like that. Yeah, moving on though. Um, obviously, speaking of uh, the Browns, Browns played great. I'm not gonna lie, they played phenomenal. I mm-hmm. think, um, but. This week they play the Chiefs, you know, the, the Chiefs, the super team of the NFL, I'd say. Um, them and the Buccaneers are the super team. But the Chiefs, they have Mahomes, Mahomes boy, um, Kelsey Hill. They're pretty – they're fairly healthy, right? It's uh, Clyde playing. I mean, it doesn't really matter. They got two other studs right there. I'm not sure. I'm not sure. But, um, yeah. yeah. I like, hope and pray it's a good game. Because seeing how the Browns played without their head coach, without a lot of coaches, a lot without of players. any practice that week because they had Corona stuff. 
So seeing how they played off of that, I hope they take this momentum, you know, beating someone like Pittsburgh, someone who's always looked at the Browns as a little brother. Um, just take it into this week. Baker has a weird thing playing good under pressure and playing the Chiefs. Uh, I hope it's close. Oh, maybe a shootout just because I don't think there's almost any way you're stopping the Chiefs. And just the two-headed monster that the Browns have in their backfield is scary enough alone. And then if Baker is feeling dangerous, then it could be interesting. Baker's going to have to play perfect. I mean, the only real loss I'd say the Chiefs have this year was against the Raiders back in like week, what, four or five, was it? Derek Carr, he threw for 300-some yards, four touchdowns, only a few incompletions, no turnovers. You have to nearly play perfect to beat the Chiefs, and you're going to have to score 35 or more points, I think. And you got to get it going early, too. So, like, you got to score from the jump first drive. If it's not – I don't even think it'll help if you just score a a field goal. Like, with that high-powered offense, you just got to keep it – you got to match them. Like, every drive you have to match them. When Houston and the Chiefs played last year where Houston went up big, and the Chiefs blew them out of the water. It wasn't a close game at the end. It was still all Chiefs. Well, last year, didn't they? Uh, didn't the Chiefs have like three comebacks of fourteen or more, mm-hmm. more points? Yeah, they were down yeah. twenty, like twenty-one nothing to the to the Texans or something yeah. like that in the first quarter. It was bad. And then they won like forty-two won. to twenty-one or something like yeah, that. Yeah, unanswered points. Yeah. It was crazy. It was but, sad. Uh, yeah, and not not only that. I think the, if the Browns' defense can get uh, forced takeaways, because I know Mahomes, uh, he had, what, 16, 17 dropped interceptions, like, from the yeah. defense. Yeah, like, I don't know how a man is that lucky. You know, like, yeah. that might run out. Like, if that runs out, they can hold on to those interceptions, you know, mm-hmm. force a fumble from uh, a running back, receiver. Maybe, maybe. Yeah. You're yeah. going to have to capitalize on all those turnovers. They're, they're going to have to play damn near perfect on offense. Yeah. And I feel, I feel like, in my opinion, the most important player of this game, and I'm still taking the Chiefs, I feel like the most important player is Miles Garrett, just for the simple point that in this whole entire game, I think it's Miles Garrett, even more so than Patrick Mahomes, Baker Mayfield, anything. Because my thing is, the, at the, near the end of the year, um, Patrick Mahomes looked uh, mortal per se he looked like oh my god like this guy can throw interceptions and it started with the Dolphins game for me and it and, and then it carried over to the Atlanta game and it's like, like hey may, maybe this guy isn't as perfect as everybody thought it was and the thing is it, it, Patrick Mahomes is one of those unique quarterbacks if you play zone he's literally just going to pick you a point uh, pick you apart if you rush four my thing is you got to get at him if you look at that Dolphins game they had a bunch of sacks if you look at mm. Atlanta they got at him my thing is I don't know if the Browns have the front seven or the front four to get pressure on Mahomes and that's why I don't think it's a good matchup for them and that's why I think it starts with Miles Garrett because most of the game he's going to be eating up two blocks so somebody else on that D-line linebacker somebody's going to have to get at him and make him make a mistake that's my thing and that's facts like there's no denying any of that um took the words out of my mouth (laughs) yeah so I'm rolling with the Chiefs obviously I mean I like hopefully it's a good game you know, if the Browns win this, which uh, I saw one other guy uh, on social media, I believe that the Browns officially, since they won last week, beat the Steelers, they are officially hit the turning point of their franchise. You know, because they just, what, four years ago, they were 0-16 or 1-15, something like somewhat, that. Yeah. 1-15, 0-16, somewhere around there. And next thing you know, they finally find a quarterback they can 
manage with, you know, because Baker has his ups and downs. He's been benched, whatever. Overall, they're going to take Baker. They've got a pretty solid young piece of Miles Garrett, you know, who's the number one overall pick. I truly believe that they have flipped the switch and turned their franchise around. Like, they're going to be contenders for years to come as long as they can keep their guys happy, you know, because, like, I'm not going to lie, not many athletes in general enjoy being in Cleveland. You know, mm-hmm. right? Like it's hard to live there, like as a it's city. environment. Like it's, yeah, I can't. I mean, you can't. It's, it's not expensive. It's just like depressing. Like you leave, you leave the game and be happy, and you just look out in the street, and it's just sad, like brown, like it's done for. But I, I agree with what you said. Like as far as with all the all the young pieces that the Browns have, I, I'm trying to think. B.J. Goodson might be the oldest person. Maybe it's a lineman or something. But I saw a graphic about Denzel Ward, who I feel bad I forgot about him, but I think it was because he got hurt. Um, on his side of the field, it was only like 31% of completions. So that could also go into um, – that could also impact the the Chiefs game. Um, if, like, if they match him up against Travis Kelsey or something or anybody else. And then, too, you got to think Odell was hurt early in the year. So they've been playing without their number one receiver. And – they, I mean, it helps that they actually have a pretty deep bench of receivers and um, I guess tight ends because their tight ends got hurt as well. But since they've been keeping that D-line and offensive line pretty consistent, I think that's been helping a lot too. Yeah. But uh, I think – are we all rolling with the Chiefs in this one? I'm rolling with the Chiefs. I believe game. the Chiefs will win, but, I mean, it would be fun to see the Browns win. Uh, you know, give them – more momentum heading forward and beating the Chiefs, you never know what could happen. The Chiefs are mortal, so it could happen, but I can't see the Chiefs losing, honestly. Once their offense is rolling, it's over. Yeah, Browns got to play damn near perfect. But yeah, moving on to the other AFC matchup, we have Ravens Bills. Um, Josh Allen got the win, first Bills uh, postseason win since what, 95, I believe, some, somewhere around there. They're expecting so, uh, snow, and Lamar said he's never played in snow, so that. That needs to be taken in consideration. Yeah, that's a big thing. But um, ultimately, Lamar had his moment. We all said we would he would have his moment. He would get the win last week. Obviously, he did. So, um, but uh, even going into this week, I like the momentum the Bills have. It's home field advantage. Granted, they might not have that many fans. I'm not really sure if they have fans. They do have fans. The, oh, the yeah. Is the advantage, as Grant said. I love uh, Bills. So Lamar has. Never played in snow. He said he doesn't like playing in cold weather. Um, Louisville, where he played in college, no cold weather for the most part. In you know. a snowball fight once. I was watching an interview. That's the only reason I do know this. I was I think I was watching first take. And they said on first yeah. take where the only snow he had in Louisville experience was a, a snowball fight. <laughs> but, um, going on, uh, I know Baltimore gets cold, but it doesn't snow there that often. So they're not really practicing in the snow. They don't really have a way to do that. Um, I, I, I'm liking the Bills in this one. I think that uh, last week they got momentum off of that win against the Colts. Um, obviously, at the very end of the game, the refs screwed up that catch call. But uh, Colts somehow didn't win off that huge break they got. Josh Allen gets the win. He played pretty well, I think, too. Um, Stephon Diggs is proving his value more and more every week. He had – what a buck fifty and a touchdown, something uh, like that. Yeah, I believe that's he, correct. He went crazy from like the first reception. When I f- saw that first one, I was like, man, they might as well give up hope. 
He just you, he can't. That man is good. He's too good. There's just too quick. something about the Bills. I just cannot find myself to hate. I don't think there's a single piece that I just don't like about the Bills. Love the fans. Love Josh Allen. Love Stephon Diggs. So uh, I think this game is going to be really fun. I don't even know if I could call a winner. I hope the Bills win. I could see the Ravens winning. Hopefully it's a fun game. Yeah, I mean, I, I see it going either way as well. Ultimately, I've got the Bills in it. I just think higher seed, home field advantage. Lamar's never played in the snow. That's the, that's the reason I'm going with the Bills. I think if Ravens have this in Baltimore, I think Ravens win this game. But Lamar's going to be that factor that – Yeah, if he plays well in the snow. Has to play. Yeah. <clears throat> yeah. Um, um, no, go ahead. Go ahead, Keith. Go ahead. Go ahead. I, was, no, I was just looking. I, yeah, I, I can see how Lamar would hate to play – in the snow, obviously I've never done it either. But I also hated playing cold in cold weather. And with him being from Florida, and who else, Marquise Brown, all of them are from Florida or whatever. I don't know how much cold weather impacts them because I, I mean, maybe he played in cold weather in Pittsburgh like a year or two ago. But I, I can't really see. I can't recall any games where it's impacted. And I think I'll I'll roll with the the Ravens on this one now. It might not make much of a difference, but Gus Edwards there, one, one point, running back 1.5 or whatever you want to call him, he's like he's from up north, I guess. He's from New York. I guess he's used to playing the cold. And for the past few weeks, that man has been running pretty roughshod over defenses. So if they can somehow – I feel like if they can somehow get their um, running game going between Lamar and whatever running back they feel like putting in – and I think they should be good to go. The only thing I do worry about the secondary for the Bills, like they're they're pretty good. I'm not worried about the Bills linebackers, but their secondary is pretty good. So that's why I'm hoping they can get, excuse me, the running um, running game going pretty well. Yeah. Um. So I guess um I'll be the oddball here. I'm I'm, I'm definitely taking the Ravens in this game. Um. I feel like. Like I said last week, I feel like nobody's really talking about the Ravens, even though they beat the Titans. I feel like the only thing that really came of that game was the disrespect that they showed, like stomping on their field. Nobody's talking about how they played. Um, and and people's taking the bills. That's that's fine. Um, I can definitely understand that. But one thing that I think needs to be noted is um, with it being in the snow, um, it's like this with any football game it's definitely going to favor the teams to run the ball a whole lot more. And if we're looking at running games, the Bills running game is just not on par. Um, you've got De- Devin Singletary back there. Um, they, I'm pretty sure they signed Devonta Freeman. Zach Moss is done for the year. Um, their run game was never really that good uh, unless Josh Allen was creating it for himself. Ravens, you're talking about a top three running game in the NFL. Um, Lamar's going to get going. J.K. Dobbins is going to get going. When he gets tired, you can put in Gus Edwards. Um, I, I just like that. If I'm looking at the defense, um, <clears throat> I like the Ravens front seven. I think they've got one of the best front sevens, if not the best front seven in the NFL. They made these trades throughout the offseason. Um, they're going all in this year. They got Calais Campbell. They got Yannick Nagaku. Um, Nagaku um, and then they've got those linebackers. They've got Patrick Queen back there. Um, and then they and then in the secondary, they still got Marlowe. They've got Marlon Humphrey and they've got Marcus Peters. They've got all the big names. Um, maybe you can run some kind of scheme. I don't know. I'm not an NFL coach, but some kind of scheme to just lower the damage that Diggs is going to do to you and make the Bills beat you by running the ball and Allen looking for a second target, looking through his reads. Um, I, I don't know. I, I made bread off 
the the Ravens winning last week. So I'm going to roll with the Ravens again. I'm putting up the same amount of bread with the same person on the Ravens. Um, so hopefully they'll come through. I think I just think Lamar is feeling it right now. He's getting hot at the right time. Um, I like the Ravens. I definitely like the Ravens. Playing with confidence. This is going to disregard me. I just said that, man. You're not the oddball. Oh, you did? Okay, okay, okay. Yeah, okay, okay, you're okay. not the oddball, man. Come on. That's how <laughs> like Yeah, moving on. Uh, we'll go to <laughs> NFC. We will talk Rams-Packers first because uh, I feel like the Rams game last week was a lot more fun to watch. I'm scared. Rams-Seattle. Uh, RIP Russell Wilson. Mm. Here's the thing that I've seen, thought about. If Russell Wilson – first things first, let me say this. I don't believe Super Bowl wins are a quarterback stat because, like, for example, Russell Wilson's ring in 2013, was it? He uh, – the week yeah. before – Russell Wilson did not have the ball in his hands. And we remember to end the game, Richard Sherman tipped that ball off of Michael Crabtree. And then he had his famous rant with the reporter, like, don't test me with a sorry receiver. Russell Wilson had no control over if they scored right there. That was all defense. If Crabtree catches that ball, Seahawks lose. Russell Wilson has no ring. And, like, you, that's too much. That's a whole other side of the ball that you can't, you know, say. Now, Super Bowl MVPs, maybe those are a little more valuable. But at the same time, you think of people like Eli Manning, who has two Super Bowl MVPs, but really in the Super Bowl against the Patriots first time, 07 Super Bowl, they, Michael Strahan, like everybody on the defensive line for the Giants had a sack, I'm pretty sure. You know, Mm -hmm. so you can't just pick Michael Strahan to give it to. You got to, it's not fair in a way, you know? Right. So, Russell Wilson's whole ring, what are people going to be saying about him if he doesn't have that ring? I, you know, I think he's in a Tony Romo kind of conversation. Mm. You'd, like, get, you'd get some heat for saying that. That's a, that's uh, a I'm not saying you're wrong. I'm not saying that. I'm not saying Romo's better. I'm not saying Russ is better. I'm just saying if Russell Wilson doesn't have that ring, why, like, he, obviously, he's elite, top five quarterback in the league. Early on in his career, I will say he had the Legion of Boom. His defense has a name. He has a defense that'll go down in history. Dan Quinn. I, I can Dan see Quinn, where baby. He's coming from. Oh, congrats. Or whatever, whatever <laughs> you want to call it. Dan Quinn as a defensive coordinator. I thought we were talking about no, the Rams Packers, and you're over here talking about Russell Wilson. Well, because last week, Russell Wilson, he played pretty bad against yeah. the Rams, and that's how the Rams yeah. won with their technically backup quarterback. That, de- that Rams defense is stout, and as a Packers fan, as a Packers fan who has seen Aaron Rodgers take a hit and break his collarbone, it makes me nervous to see a man like Aaron Donald on the other side of the ball <laughs> and seeing how Jalen Ramsey's been playing all season. I know Devontae Adams is – I'm going to say the best receiver in the league. Arguments made, agreements can be made. Uh, Jalen Ramsey has been playing lights out. He makes – he's the reason DK Metcalf looked overrated. Every time he plays DK Metcalf, his numbers are slim to none. He looks like a wide receiver three. He doesn't look like the star one says he is. So, I mean, it's going to be a very fun game. I was rooting for the Bears versus the Saints. But obviously, the chance of that actually coming true would have been slim to none. Uh, so I am oh, very yeah. scared just because that Rams defense is so good. As of right now, they're p- playing hot the second half of the season. Yeah, a matchup I'm very excited to watch is Ramsey versus Adams because I know the 
statistically best game or most yards Ramsey allowed was all the way back in week one, I believe, against Yes, sir. Which, granted, and at the end of the game, you got to remember, Jalen Ramsey got lucky with that call against Michael Gallup. I'm still bitter about that. But anyways, I'm excited to watch that matchup. And ultimately, I think whoever wins that matchup wins this game. Obviously, Aaron Rodgers, MVP of the year. What did he have? 48 touchdowns? Yeah, 48. Uh, 48 and six, something like that. 48 and four. 48 and four. Sorry. Anyways, uh, Aaron Rodgers is going to ball out. Aaron Rodgers is great in the playoffs, especially as a Cowboys fan. I know that. Um, But I think whoever wins this matchup is going to win this game because if Ramsey can lock down Devontae Adams, you're going to have to force Rodgers to throw to Tanyan. Or force Aaron Jones to get the running Dude, game. that man's a as Cole Powell says, Robert Tanyan is a demon. Demon. Yeah. But yeah, I mean, he, he shows up out of nowhere. He does. Aaron Rodgers will throw it, and I'll be like, "Oh, who's he throwing to?" Sure enough, Robert Tanyan's wide open somewhere. <laughs> but yeah, uh, Rams are playing with a quarterback, Jared Goff, I believe. Uh, obviously, his yeah. son's probably feeling a little bit better, but does he? Is that going to affect him? I think if Jared Goff can play the way Jared, like a good Jared Goff, elite Jared Goff, non-game manager Jared Goff can play, I believe that this game will be a lot closer. But ultimately, I'm riding with Aaron Rodgers. I hate to say it. I'm riding I think with that's Rodgers. the deciding factor is Jared Goff's not healthy. And I feel like the Rams offense just isn't going to find the click. <laughs> playing in Green Bay, got to go all the way across the country. It's cold. Uh, so, yeah, I mean, Aaron Rodgers – Say Devontae doesn't have a great game. It's going to make it closer, but it's Aaron Rodgers and Jared Goff's working with four fingers. So, um, I, 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 yeah, I, I don't have – no, I'm going gonna, I'm gonna to just go with Aaron Rodgers. I'll just go with the devil. I know. I believe that defense wins games and championships, but I, but see, the crazy part is I said the same thing about Russell Wilson. I said I couldn't bet against Russ, and look what happened. So, I. But at the same time, Russell Wilson isn't Aaron Rodgers, so I, I don't know. It's it's kind of hard to say, but I I just feel like they'll pull it through. Now, I will say the part that worries me the most is the Packers defense. I I don't know. I I can't trust it, man. Like they they've been looking pretty. So Darnell Savage has been looking pretty good. Then you have uh, Jair Alexander and. Some other dude, and maybe Raven Green. I don't know back there, but I don't know how well they can hold off on like a good Cooper Cup or Robert Woods. Speaking of, is Cooper Cup hurt or is he? Yeah, he okay? got hurt at the end of the game on a on a kneel play. Got yeah, hurt. like he. I think he should be good think, to play though, but that was kind of crazy. Yeah, because he they stopped the camera on. I didn't know what happened. He just pulled his knee pad up. But yeah, I'm a I'm gonna go with the the Packers just because. Maybe what if this is scripted, like WWE or something, and they make a <laughs> Mahomes and Aaron Rodgers match up to see like a fight for the death, and like one of them wins, somebody got to die to take over as the best QB in the league or something like that. Something weird like that. That's what I'm thinking. That's how it's going right, to cool. end up being. I know yeah, you're about um, to um, just get get off your chest. Hear me out. Um, ever since we've started doing this, I've said that Devontae Adams is the best receiver in the NFL, and I'm sticking by it. He's the best receiver in the NFL, and it is truly not close. Hear me out. All that being said, this Saturday, Devontae Adams will have at least 150 yards. 
Um, okay. At least about 10 catches, and he will have a touchdown. He is going to absolutely fry Jalen Ramsey. Um, mm. Jalen Ramsey is the best cornerback in the NFL. I get that. But at the end of the day, you're talking about Rodgers and Devontae Adams. I think um, not only do I think that uh, Adams is the best receiver in the NFL, I think that Rodgers and Adams is the best quarterback wide receiver duo in the NFL. Al Patrick Mahomes, Tyreek Hill. No, no, they don't have the connection that they have. It's just to the point where it's like if it's a run play and Aaron Rodgers is looking over and he just nods his head to Devontae Adams and he just hikes the ball and quickly throws it over there without audibling, that, that's just crazy. They, they're always on the same page. They have the same brain. Um, I can see where you think that the Green Bay defense is a little sus. I'm a little sus on the Green Bay defense, but at the end of the day, they're not going up against the Kansas City offense or a healthy Dallas offense or a Baltimore offense. They're going up against Los Angeles' offense. Not necessarily the most scary offense in the NFL. If I had to rank them, it's probably the worst offense remaining in the playoffs. Um, so I think that favors it. They're also playing in Lambeau. Lambeau in the playoffs, Aaron Rodgers. I mean, it's hard to bet against that. I've, I've got the Packers. I, I don't think that the game is close. I think that the Packers win big. Um, Jared Goff, if he was fully healthy, I'm still taking the Packers big. I just think that the deciding factor is Devontae Adams. He, he hasn't been shut down all year. Uh, that game against Tampa Bay where Aaron Rodgers looked like the worst game he's ever had in his life. Devontae Adams was hurt, and he still put up pretty decent numbers. Nobody has stopped him the last 10 weeks, and I think that continues. I think that he has a outstanding game, and I think that the Packers won big. Cole, that made me tear up. That was beautiful to hear. Thank you. Speaking of, uh, so we all have Packers. Now the winner of this next game we're about to talk about, Tampa Bay versus New Orleans. Pelicans. Mm. The New Orleans Saints, uh, battle of the old guys, still somehow got it. Both over 40 years. Uh, is Drew Brees 40? 40, 40, 41, I thought. Yeah. 41. Uh, Brady's 43, obviously. We all know that. Uh, this is going to be a very fun game to watch. Uh, I don't believe we've ever seen Tom Brady and Drew Brees in the playoffs. Obviously, because Brady was in the AFC. They never played the Super Bowl. Uh, never, yeah. Wait, did, maybe with when Brees was first, with the Chargers? First playoff game with two quarterbacks over 40. And, I mean, their stats, like, Breeze would be one, Tom's two, Tom's one in this, Breeze is two. And so, they switch back and forth. I mean, all time this, – this is the greatest quarterback matchup to see. It's, like, kind of it's, – it's not going to decide it, but it's definitely going to carry a lot of weight if Breeze can ball out and have a great game. I like it. Uh, ultimately, going in – I'm rolling with Tampa Bay. Um, I like everything Brady's got going. Playoff Brady is a different animal. Gronk is, you know, that he's there. Is Evans? Evans is. Evans is playing. He's playing. Evans he's playing. is playing. Antonio Brown looks amazing. Last amazing. Year. And I think good. honestly, Antonio Brown might be able to get a new contract with a new team next year. Mm. I believe. You know, he's on his one-year deal. He looks great. He stayed out of trouble. We haven't heard any negative Antonio Brown all season. Um, mm -hmm. Obviously, they have the three-headed monster, four-headed monster at running back. Chris Godwin's out there. The defense isn't playing bad at all for Tampa Bay. I just – it's going to be close. It's going to be, hopefully, you know, I'm going to say this as a fan, hopefully a shootout. But um, I, I just like Tampa Bay winning a shootout over New Orleans. You know, granted, Mike Thomas played – Michael Thomas played very well – Last week, I believe he had a touchdown, right? Uh, yes, he had a touchdown. Mm -hmm. yeah, he did first of the year. Yeah, mm. but um, shout out—he's finally tied with Dak Prescott for touchdowns this season. 
Uh, no, that was my that was one of my favorite memes I've seen. But uh, I, I like Tampa Bay in this one. I think in this, hopefully, which I think will be a shootout. I think I like Tom Brady beating Drew Brees in a shootout. Okay, I, I see what you're saying with the the offense that Tampa Bay has. It's hard to deny. But what the Saints have had going on the last few years, I'm not I'm not going to say it is what it is. Oh. But we know Michael Jordan struggled. He couldn't win that playoff series. Everyone counted him out. The Saints kind of got past that. I know they played the Bears. The Bears. I mean. Shout out Mitch Trubisky, Nickelodeon MVP. I mean, you see in any sport, you know, in playoffs, in March Madness, anything, momentum is everything. So seeing the Saints get that win, that's that's bigger for them than – the average fan may look at and see. So I'm going to go against the grain here, and I'm going to say the Saints are going to win. I mean, I love Kamara. Taysom Hill, even though he's not playing quarterback, he's still an athlete on the field. Michael Thomas, Emmanuel Sanders, Jared Cook. I mean, the guys are there. They're they're not as flashy sometimes here and there. Some of them aren't as flashy as Tampa Bay has. But the Saints – the times that we play Tampa Bay and the Saints play, they've they've had Tampa Bay's number to a degree. I think they you know what's coming. You just got to stop it. There's not going to be anything fancy going on. Two old guys there on the football. They're not scrambling. They're they're going to throw. They're going to run it. That's it. So, but I have the Saints winning. I agree. Um, it this yeah. I'm not truly a believer in the. Tampa Bay. I mean, I feel like Tom Brady proved whatever he needed to prove already. Um, he still has all his talent and stuff. He still has that. Uh, what is? Yeah, he still has the the running game. Their defense is good. Is the only thing is, um, they're secondary. They're they're really good, but they're also really young. I don't think they have playoff experience, and I'm pretty sure most of that. Saints offense and defense has playoff experience and I'm mostly focused on that Saints defense. Um Demario Davis has not missed. That defensive line has not missed. Caroline. Cameron Jordan has not missed a step. Jack Rabbit Jenkins has not and will not ever miss. He just doesn't doesn't miss. Now, the wild card is will Marcus Williams get his face back? from that that Vikings mishap will he end up being a yeah he will he end up being a hero like he he got roasted on Twitter that day and I know from the past few games like you know he's been doing pretty well I haven't personally I haven't seen him getting burnt at all so I want to see him I know he wants to see himself come up big um who knows, maybe uh, Chauncey Gardner-Johnson can get up under Antonio Brown's skin and make him throw his Snap. life away again. <laughs> like, he swing on him and Antonio just take his cleats off and just hit him in the throat and kills him. That man's always right, there we go. go. He just annoys me. Never <laughs> impossible. Yeah, but yeah, we're going with the Saints. Even though it pains me to say, but Saints or Aints, whatever. Yeah, so the the Saints, first team in NFL history to sweep the NFC South, goes 6-0. and uh, They beat the Buccaneers convincingly both times. The second time was very convincingly. Um, 
that D-line, um, if Trey Hendrickson is playing, which I think that he is, that means that the defense and the full team is back to 100% health for the Saints. Uh, you got Hendrickson on one side, Cam Jordan on the other. Uh, Hendrickson should have been a pro bowler. I don't know why he wasn't. But uh, you've got all those guys. The Mario Davis, he's going to get at Tom Brady. Um, on offense, I really like Kamara. I think Kamara is a, is a top two back in the NFL. Um, I think Kamara will get at you. I think that Michael Thomas – since he was hurt, everybody forgot about Mike Michael Thomas. But I'm still taking like if I am if I'm a quarterback and I need a receiver and I want to win a Super Bowl right now, I'm still taking Michael Thomas in the top five or six. I think he's a top five or six receiver when he's healthy. I think that he's more than just a slant. Um, with all that being said, um, I'm taking Tampa Bay to win the game. Um, I just think that Tampa Bay strengths play into the Saints' weaknesses. The Saints are the best run defense in the NFL. The Bucks are not going to run the ball is my thing. Um, mm. I feel like those three receivers out there are just too big to ignore Godwin, Evans, and Brown. Tom is playoff Tom. It's back in full effect. Their run defense will get at you. I think that they'll be able to contain Kamara. And something that Kamara's not used to seeing is they have Devin White. They have Shaquille Barrett. They have fast linebackers. Those linebackers can move, whether they're in man or zone. That's not to say that they're going to keep up with Kamara, but I think that they'll be able to contain him to a point. Um, I've got Tampa winning. I don't think it'll be too much of a shootout, but I think it'll be a close game. Yeah, and another another thing that uh, nobody's really mentioned is it's hard to beat a good team three times. Yes, yes, you know, yes. Third time's a charm. Maybe a little luck's on the side. Granted, they're playing in the Superdome, but I, I'm still yeah. going with Tampa. But uh, overall, that's what we got for NFL this week. Obviously, we'll see how we do next week. We'll recap. But uh, that's who we're rolling with. Now, moving on, uh, we're going in college football now. Obviously, championship game just happened. Uh, Alabama versus Ohio State. Alabama killed them. We all predicted that. Uh, Devonta Smith played very well. He had a great game in one half, a uh, great three games in one half, really. What He had 200-some, 12 catches, 200-some yards, what, three touchdowns? Yeah, uh, yeah, I think. In one half. Good. Um, I mean, he had more I, yards than Ohio State in the first half. Uh, that, yeah. that speaks volumes right there. Fields, I don't think he had his best game. I don't know. And I, I'm not really liking what they did with uh, – I can never remember his name for Alabama, the receiver. Jalen Waddle, is that his name? I didn't like yeah. that they were playing him, yeah. Yeah, I, 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 I love his heart, but you saw all the professional players, Mahomes, everything like that, tweeting out, like, I love your heart, get out of this game, think about your mm -hmm. future like millions was on like on the line anything could have happened yeah but a uh, shout out alabama congratulations to them roll tide yeah but um <laughs> ain't much to say yeah there's not much to say roll, roll tide destroyed ohio state i would say alabama 2020 alabama 2019 lsu that would be a hell of a game to see I'd still think LSU pulls it out just because Joe Burrow, big dig I Joe. I agree. But an, an, another thing, there's a targeting call, right? Like completely unintentional. Like it was obvious. Battle. I, I remember the tight end caught the ball and turned, and uh, the defender had already made an attempt to like hit him, dropped his shoulder. And the only reason they went helmet to helmet is because the, of the tight end. You know, I believe that uh, maybe a change – I know we talked about a rule change last week is uh, – a, a rule change I'd like to see is targeting maybe like a – in basketball, you have flagrant run, 
flagrant one, flagrant two. I think maybe they should change targeting to something like that. Because like, imagine, I saw another tweet. Imagine playing, like training, practicing your whole life, working hard all season to be able to play in a national championship game. Then you get ejected 20 minutes in for something you didn't mean to do. You know, I don't like that. I believe there should be like targeting one, targeting two. Obviously targeting two is automatic ejection. You know, I don't, I don't know how I feel about targeting. It's dumb. And it changes the whole pace and momentum of the game, no matter what. So maybe we can change that. I'm not really sure how I'm feeling. Yeah, about for sure. That. For certain. So NBA, obviously, there's an elephant in the room. James Harden. He built like an elephant right now. Yeah, he is built like an elephant. James Harden to we the don't body shame on this show, man. <laughs> uh, I'll, I'll kind of let Colt take that one over for right now because uh, I know he's got some good points with James Harden going over. Let, let me take it away. Yeah, so so James Harden being sent to the um, the, the the Nets, obviously, it's a big deal. Um, I, it, I think that this is the biggest three-headed monster that the NBA has that we've seen in NBA history as far as just three players being on one team three biggest name players and obviously it's going to have some effects that that we'll talk about later with Kyrie and everything but but my thing is um I feel like the Nets prior to this trade um I had the Sixers as being favorites ahead of them maybe the Celtics maybe the Bucks so maybe around the two to four range as being the favorites they automatically shot to the favorite of the East um with with, well for, for good reason with those three players um but but what I was curious about is other other contenders maybe the Lakers the the Clippers um, maybe the Suns in the West, um, and then in the East, we're talking about the Sixers, Celtics, and Bucks. Um, the teams that are contending now, that want to win a championship right now, that are just sitting at this move like, oh, my God. I wonder if it'll make them maybe make a move that they didn't anticipate they would have to do. Like maybe the, Celt- uh, maybe the Celtics feel like, hey, we need a third star, a third healthy or a, or, or a piece to go around with Kimba, Tatum, and Brown. Or maybe the Sixers are like, hey, we need a third scoring option besides Ben and Joel Embiid to come back this. They've got three. We need three. So I'm just I'm just curious what you guys think, or do you think that one of these teams, maybe in the East or in the West for that matter, maybe that have two solid scoring options, but it's like, hey, if they've got three, we've got to have three. Do you think that this will cause a shift in the NBA to the point where contending teams will make a move, maybe compromising their future to a point where they feel like they need to contend right now and be able to compete with this team? My, my only thing that was already there. Oh. oh yeah, hold on. Sorry. My my only thing is between Katie, Kyrie, and James Harden, all three of them need the ball in their hands to be successful. This is true. One of them is going to have to be the third option. One of them is going to have to be the second option. You know who None of them option. want to be the second option. So they're going to have to play together. I think no team should make a move until they see how this chemistry works. Because obviously if Katie – because we all know Katie's got his whole little mentality. You remember how Draymond used to screech at him on the court because he would take dumb shots and not pass the ball. You know, obviously James Harden's the biggest ISO player in the league, and Kyrie's a great ISO player too. Um, We'll get into the whole Kyrie thing in a little bit, but I think that teams don't need to overreact and panic right now until they see how this team plays together first. Because if it's not working, someone – the Nets are going to get rid of someone. You know, they've been very – I think they've been fairly quick to make moves this year. Like, obviously, hiring Steve Nash out of nowhere. You know, they're trading for a top, what, six, seven player in the league. Yeah, they're not messing around. Went after KD after an Achilles injury. Granted, that was last year. But, like, they're 
using him the way he used to be used. And he looks great, by the way. Shout out, Katie. I think nobody needs to overreact or underreact, really. Just play your game, worry about your team, until you see how this team plays together first. Because th there's bound to be chemistry issues. And it, it depends how hard or how big of a problem these issues Yeah, I mean, be. looking at it like this season, like if you're going to try to make a move now, the only way you're going to make a move is by you're going to be losing guys. I mean, when you trade, both teams are going to look for a positive. So they're not going to be able to trade trash and get gold. So if a team over, like you said, like overreacts and goes and tries to get that third score, they might end up give, be giving up more than they're getting in return. And, you know, with the chemistry, I, just, I agree with you. Just kind of play your own game and see how that chemistry works because, to be honest, I, I don't really like the chemistry. I know Harden and KD were in OKC together. Uh, but, I mean, that's just a lot of big egos clashing together. So you got to see how that's going to work out first. Yeah. Um, I think this whole scramble to get a big three, I honestly thought – that's been a thing since I guess LeBron and Bosch and Allen they started the trend or whatever. I, I honestly I genuinely thought it was a thing, but now if you're saying pause, if pause, everybody's pause, pause, pause. did you say LeBron, Bosch, and Allen? Who was it? LeBron, Wade? Bosch, and Dwayne Wade. Dwayne Wade. Oh shoot! Oh shoot! Yeah. His own daddy. Well, he was. All, I'm saying. I'm saying yeah, like he came in. Dwayne Wade. Part. It was all. It was all. He was already there. That was already his team. Anyway, you get what I'm saying. He came in. Whatever. Anyway, this whole thing with the the whole obsession with a big three, back to what I was saying, it's already been a thing to me. But if you're saying in the the aspect of people just scrambling to see if they can get scores just to match this one team, I agree with what you said. Um, it's gonna be ugly basketball. I really hate ISO basketball because nowadays, like before, like obviously when I was growing up with AI and people like that it was working because people weren't that athletic on defense. You would see people falling like, oh, this is so cool because that's also when hand one started. But now, like, everybody is, like, a, de a defensive lock. And so, like, you're just doing all this dribbling and they're not going anywhere. And it's just, like, score. And in my hot take, I have another one, but even with James Harden being there, it's going to be all uh, candy and nuts, whatever. But I honestly think uh, – Joe Harris might be just as efficient, if not more, than James Harden I love Joe in, the, Harris. in the cutting season. But I don't, I don't think I, just what Grant said. I don't think teams should scramble this much because there's also the aspect of like, what if one of them gets hurt, or in Kyrie's case, what what if one of them just gets just be like, nah, and just doesn't show up for a game. And you sit here game planning for um, like one point guard, and then you see. Uh, who have who they have left? Spencer Dinwiddie, if he ever gets back healthy, he's hurt. He's he tore his ACL. He's done for the year. Oh well, Bruce, he's done. Bruce well, Brown would be their backup. Bruce one Brown, Bruce yeah. Brown. Like so, you game planning all for Kyrie, and then now like you gave Bruce Brown freaking. I don't even know who he, Miami. That's about it. You gave Bruce Brown an in, <laughs> and he goes off for like twenty three. And now people are going crazy over Bruce Brown and clowning your team just because you game plan for one person <laughs> that didn't even show up because he didn't feel like it. So I agree with you for once. I agree with you. Like, don't sweat it because this is the NBA. This is all for in certain. reality. It's, it's not in the NBA no more. This is 2K now. So there's nothing is real anymore. 2021, everything. For the net great. sake. For, for yeah. the net sake, I hope that this isn't another dilemma with Paul Pierce and Kevin Garnett 
where they traded the all of those first round picks. Against, I said the same um, thing yesterday. They traded all those first round picks for a washed. And I'm not. I'm not comparing this to James Harden. I'm not saying James Harden is at the point of his career where he's on the downward slope. But mm-hmm. they traded all those picks for the next what was it, three or four years for a yes. Paul Pierce and Kevin Garnett that were past their prime and didn't stay on the team. And you <laughs> look at the Terry Celtics; too, they've right? got Jalen Brown and Jason Tatum now. Mm-hmm. So. I feel like that's one thing, but I feel like the two biggest things that I took away from this is a, um, th- there's two sides of the ball in 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 in, in basketball. Um, this ain't football. What Ryan said that, that Super Bowls aren't a quarterback award. Quarterbacks, you don't got to play both sides of the ball. Defense, you got to play both sides of the ball. Kyrie, I'm not worried about KD. Simple for the fact because KD is long. KD is athletic. Mm-hmm. I think that KD will be fine. But if I'm looking at the Lakers, I'm thinking KD is going to have to match up with AD. And I don't know if mm-hmm. I like that matchup. I, I know I don't like that matchup. And the other thing was that I got from this, didn't James Harden, what I said, I guess it goes back to the Bruce Brown point. James Harden was not free. You gave up a 26-year-old Karis LeVert, and Karis LeVert is a bucket. He's proven he can carry a team. He did it in the bubble. I mean, Jared are- Allen is on the rise. Jared Allen is a demon, mm-hmm. and you gave Great up those four first-round picks. So, I mean, if you're looking at the starting lineup, I think their potential starting lineup is going to be Kyrie, Joe Harris, James Harden. Kevin Durant, and then I think they're going to start Jeff Green at the five and go small ball. If I'm looking at their bench, at Bruce Brown, Landry Shamet, and DeAndre Jordan, they're not deep. Um, if any of those guys get in foul trouble, I don't know. I, I don't like it. I think that they'll be there just because of the big names, but I, I like you guys. I don't know how it's going to work out. Yeah. Um, Jared Allen, I think it's going to be – they're going to notice that real quick. Granted, studded. Cleveland got young talent now. I like Cleveland right now. They have too many centers. That's my thing. Five centers. Too many. Five centers. It could work. It could work. Let's believe it. Anyways, the whole – Katie, I firmly believe Katie and James Harden are very underrated defenders. There's a whole stigma with them that they're only offensive players. And granted, we know Katie and James Harden, two of the best offensive players of all time. I think we can all agree on that. But – um. I, I just don't think that they're that bad on defense. You know, James Harden, of course, he like there was clips of him not playing defense, but that was back before Chris Paul. And you got to remember, James Harden was the point guard. He was forced to handle the ball, create plays, create separations. He was setting screens. He was doing literally everything on offense. And if I mean, if I was him and if I knew like we're going to score 120 points a game, take a break here and there on defense, you know? Ever since he got Chris Paul, you know, someone else that's a pretty good offensive player, can create plays, can create shots for other guys, and he, you know, gets back on defense. James Harden's defensive numbers have been a lot better, you know. So I think, especially with KD being seven feet tall, he can guard any position. Granted, he might not be the strongest, but he's going to be more athletic than whoever he's guarding. I think that uh, this is going to be a lot better for them defensively, you know. Yeah, Grant's showing us on the screen. Terry, Terry dunking on Katie. But that just shows he's got the heart for it. But, no, I like uh, Brooklyn. I think Jared Allen's going to be a huge miss, and I think that's going to force all three of these guys, the big-name guys, to play more defense because Joe Harris isn't the best defender. He's not the most athletic. He's a shooter. But um, You point you out. Yeah, especially playing small ball. I think these guys are going to show how good they are on defense. That's my overall point that I'm kind of going at here. Yeah, but uh, going on, I know uh, Keith had some stuff he wanted to talk about. Yeah. So he's right. going to go ahead and get into this, but uh, spotlight's yours, Keith. All right. So on the subject of Kyrie Irving, let me front this by saying I have never cared about 
Kyrie Irving like that. Like, I remember when he played for Duke, I've never seen him play, so I didn't think much of him. He's a pretty guy. He's eccentric. Then he came out with the flat earth thing. But one thing that stuck out to me, like, his comments always stick out. Oh, then it was that thing uh, where a rapper took his girl on Instagram, but that's neither here nor there. The big thing that really caught my attention was when he actually voiced a sensible opinion about the bubble and like nobody had his back. And I'm I'm thinking like, is he the is he the like NBA player association or whatever they call the union? Is he the president or something? Or is he just like Kyrie? I feel like Chris Paul is the president. Kyrie, Chris Paul is the oh, president. Chris Paul is. Chris Paul is the president. All right. So Kyrie has been doing a lot as far as with social justice and just like making sure that players take care of themselves. And one of the things that I wanted to talk about was like where do you draw the line between players taking care of the, excuse me, owners and their investment as far as like their bodies, their health, all that stuff. Where do you draw the line in player self-care and taking care of the, the team? Because the past few days, uh, you know, Kyrie's been on his spiritual tip, saging stadiums, which I, I don't know, I kind of mess with it. Just like cleansing all the, the bad energy and it's been working because that man has been going off. And then, like, he just disappears on his coach. And Steve Nash has to look cool under pressure. He's like, oh, he's coming back. But in reality, he's probably going crazy, blowing him up and stuff. And then, like, it came out that Kyrie was at a birthday, a maskless birthday party with his family. So in my in my mind, I'm thinking, I wonder if Kyrie was like, if I'm going to get COVID, I'd rather get it from some, I don't know, it's kind of weird, but I'd rather get it from someone I know rather than some random guys who were all IG models or whatever. So my question is like, how much should we as fans and I guess uh, team owners and teammates, how much should we take into consideration players' self-care? Because at the end of the day, their body is the investment and they have to do everything to keep up with it. So like, where's the line here? I like that. Uh, that's a great question. Now, I'm going to preface this off with saying Kyrie gets the most unnecessary hate of any player in the NBA, I believe. Um, everyone shits on everything he does, pretty much, it seems like. Uh, and I think that's mainly because the media cannot stand the aspect of Kyrie does not see basketball as a job or a lifestyle or anything. I truly believe he sees basketball as a hobby something he does for fun. He does it because he loves it. He doesn't need it. And he just happens to be one of the best in the world at it. And I think that's why he's like, you know, I'm doing this for fun. Like I'm going to go to my say little cousin's birthday party, you know, granted I'm making millions and everything like that, but they're going to give Kawhi Leonard three days off in the next two weeks. Why can't I take one off for a real reason? You know? So I think Kyrie is sticking out for mental health. That's a big deal. Obviously I think, I don't have a maybe the way he's going about it is wrong, just kind of up and leaving out of nowhere. Maybe he should be more, hey, professional. I need this game off. Like, give me a here's a two weeks notice type deal thing. But I do truly like that he's trying to watch out for his mental health. But I think he, the reason he's getting all this hate is because he sees basketball as a hobby and not a lifestyle. If that makes any sense. I completely agree with that. And I mean, even though he's been kind of on this thing where like his maybe he's taking a break for personal reasons, you know, going to see his family and whatnot. But uh, well, dang, I just lost my whole train of thought. I literally just lost the whole thing. 
Mm. Well, while he thinks about it, um, yeah, like this, Kyrie's uh, this. I like this whole resurgence of not even not uh, just pro athletes, but they starting to bring back the talks of like paying college athletes. And I know that's completely different somewhat, but one thing that always sticks out in my mind, I have a, one well, of my, my best friend, actually, he, you know, he has experience in college sports. And one day we were talking, like we had just left class and we were talking random. I think we were watching the draft. And he was like, it's going to sound bad, but like, he's like, you know, uh, professional sport, sports is basically slavery. And everybody just looked at him crazy. Like you're tripping. And he brought it up. Like, you got to think about it. Like they go for the biggest and strongest. They, they have to show you off in front of like the draft and stuff. And then like, you make a lot of money eventually, like, but at the end of the day, somebody's making three times as much money as you. And when he broke it down like that, I'm thinking, wow. And you know, like the way Kyrie thinks and like how smart he is, I think he's weird, like super weird because he's so smart and like, I don't know, third eye open and all this stuff. And I, I feel like he's, he, he already knew that, but he just, he's finally acting on it now that he has the means to be like, all right, I can actually prove to y'all, like, I don't need y'all. Like, y'all need me. And, like, I, I love that energy. I can't wait till someday I can be like that. It's going to be a while, but it's going to be someday. Yeah, I mean, Come up with your thought process, Grant. I mean, it was just, you know, take care of your mental health. And just, like, with the news of he didn't want to be LeBron's, like, Batman to Robin, he felt more as if him and KD were on the same level. So now – bringing on James Harden, like how he's going to view that. And like, I'm curious to see what he does. I know Stephen A said something, it was either yesterday or today, where he was saying that uh, Kyrie should just go ahead and retire. So, I mean, it's Stephen A. They're paid to say take hot takes, and uh, that's how they get used. But I do love Stephen A., but I feel like that was out of a little bit far-fetched. But uh, Kyrie taking care of his mental, I'm not going to hate on it. Uh, I think he's doing what's best for him, so I'm going to support him on it. Yeah, I think um, yeah. Growing up as a, as a Duke fan, and I, I'm I'm a LeBron fan, and obviously, um, I don't think that LeBron would have that ring if it wasn't for Kyrie. I'll always have love for Kyrie um, as a player. The way that he plays, I love watching him plays. I, I think he's one. He, I know he's one of my favorite players to just watch. I love watching Kyrie Irving play. The way he it looks like he just has the ball in the rope. His jump shot is butter. Um, he has the best layup package in the game. It's just fun watching him play. Untucked Kyrie is the best player to ever play the game, and you can't you can't argue differently. When he doesn't have that shirt tucked in, it, you know that it's game time. Um, as, as far as this, um, I think that mental health is definitely the, the most important thing. Um, if you're not healthy mentally, then how, how as a fan, um, but as a, as a human being first, before a fan – I don't expect you to go out there and entertain me if you're not healthy physically, emotionally, or mentally for that matter. Um, so, so if that was the case, um, I'm not going to get mad at Kyrie for taking a break if it was for mental reasons. However, I'm, I'm going to touch on the point that Ryan said. The way that he went about it, I feel like was all totally wrong um, to the point where it's like they get to the arena, they think that he's playing, and he just doesn't show up. They don't get a text message. Um, Steve Nash texts him, the players text him, Katie texts him, and he doesn't text back. If it's to that point where they're reaching out and they can't get a hold of you, to that point, it becomes a problem, um, especially if everything is okay. Then there is a line of professionalism there where it's like, hey, if, I mean, if you got to take a little break, you got to do what you got to do. Okay, do what you got to do. 
But at the same time, you gotta while we're talking about being mentally safe, him talk they were talking about him being at a birthday party without a mask. You gotta be physically safe too. There's 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 rules and there's things that come along with being the uh, being a, a job of an NBA player. You've got to stay safe. You've got to keep your family safe, and you've got to keep the players that you're playing with safe so they can keep their family safe. So that's how I feel about that. I just feel like you've got to be healthy mentally um, and healthy. So I, I guess that goes back to the virus and to the to the mental health thing. But I feel like the, the line's got to be drawn as far as professionalism. I don't think that he went went about it right. He went about it the whole whole wrong way, in my opinion. He's, he's got to be better about that, but that's Kyrie. Yeah, I like that. And uh, even moving on, that kind of correlates into what Grant's going to say. Grant's got his big point going on, uh, which is obviously I'll let him take it away. But uh, you know, here we go. Go ahead and take it away. Uh, just going right with what Colton was saying, uh, you know, <laughs> looking at, you know, keeping everyone – physically safe, you know, wear your mask when you go to that party. It brings up the question, like, should the NBA be going back into a bubble seeing all these cases rise and so many games be postponed because we know the Sixers last week had to play a game where uh, Doc Rivers said that, you know, Dwight Howard might be running point guard for us because we only got eight guys. And uh, I believe it was – the Mavs and the Jazz possibly had to postpone their game because they only had seven players. So it comes that question where obviously they're grown men. They're going to go see their families. Like some dude's not going to tell them, hey, you can't go see your family. You can't go see your kids for their birthday party or like your like whoever it is, your family's birthday party. You're a grown man. You're not going to let someone tell you you can't go to that. So they're going to go. So it comes to the point where can you eliminate that problem by going into a bubble? I know the NBA, how big the NBA is. There comes a lot of money questions and whatnot. But when it comes to the health of the players, if you want to keep your players healthy while also not losing the revenue, is the bubble right now in the season worth it? That's um, tough. Yeah. Um, there was one player, I can't remember who said it. He said he would be totally down for going to a bubble only if – if and only if they're allowed to bring their wives, obviously, and close family members, like their kids, maybe if their mom or dad live with them, things like that, which personally, I'm not in that situation. I'm a young kid. I don't know what it would be like to be away from a wife and kids, you know, because obviously they're already traveling the country like normal, like in a normal season, but their wife and kids can come along with them every now and then, you know, to certain games. But I, I, I'm not really in a situation to make any kind of decision on that. Obviously, as a fan, I want them to be safe. I want to see games every night, you know. But these guys, as LeBron says, more than athletes. Like, they're not just athletes. Like, let them be human beings that, as, you know, the whole Kyrie thing. Like, seeing your family might be a mental relaxer because it's someone that doesn't care if you're going to put up 28 and 9 that night. They're going to care, you know, you had a good day at work, you know. And that's that's relieving to these athletes, I believe. So the whole bubble thing – how many bubbles, where are you allowed to bring people, you know, because I know a lot of these players said like being in the bubble for the playoffs last year was horrible. Like they hated it because they didn't let uh, family members come until when, like a month, two months in. Playoffs, if you had to, it had to be like, you had to make the playoffs. Things after first round, that's when you could bring, Jamal even Murray. then it was only a handful of people. Yeah. But, 
it just really depends on the whole all the rules of the bubble because I don't want these guys to be miserable playing basketball because you're going to see it in their game. I think if they're going to be happy, they can get what they want as players. Yeah, but <laughs> I don't know. I'm I'm on the opposite end of the spectrum. So for one, when the pandemic started in what last March, I I remember they were talking about like it was like their main concern was like how we're going to play sports and like. I obviously I don't get money from playing sports, but seeing all the stuff that has been happening, like you have to play NBA in a bubble, which that was an experience. I mean, I guess it was an experience for them, but even up to now, like you got teams canceling games and either way, like when you cancel games, you lost money. Um, collegiate sports, especially, I'm pretty sure a couple of teams um, UVA's women's team just canceled their season. It's a bu- been a bunch of teams that just, cancel their season and um even going back to the nfl where players um like the the denver broncos game where kimball hinton got to start just because of all the COVID cases in the in the uh quarterback room and one thing that has always not been like that has been stuck on my mind if these people test positive like i know it at first it was a serious thing it still is a serious thing but if they test positive how is it like a game later they're playing especially for football like a lot of times they would test positive for one game and then i get it was a week but how did they just like automatically test negative i think they have to test negative three times over like a course of like a few days because i know nick saban before they played georgia uh he tested positive like two days before and then the next day they actually came out and said you know what like false positive he had three negative tests so yeah that's like this whole thing is weird. Like how how you just test pot like when you see it streaming or um across like the the tickers like test pos- positive for COVID and you think oh my god that's bad but then like the next week they're all good and I I don't know I just I don't really agree with sports during the pandemic but I guess I guess they got to get their bread somehow. I mean I would have been just as fine playing two K or Madden. I'm cool with it. I don't even uh-huh. come to think about it. I don't even know how this is going to affect March Madness. Like, how they're playing what are they uh, do for that? They're playing March Madness. I think they're playing all the games in Indiana. Most of the games yeah. being in Indianapolis. But you know, if COVID issues come up, then yeah. Mm-hmm. I mean, all it takes is one player in that small bubble to get it. Because like right when they get there, chances are with sixty, what sixty-eight teams actually being there. All it takes is one person give it his whole team, you know. I don't know. I don't, I don't know. It's it's a tough situation regardless. NCAA is already in trouble with – well, not really in trouble, but that whole case with – was it Keontae? Whoever that – the guy that was actually, like, really good, Keontae one of their better Johnson. players from Florida. Yeah, Keontae Johnson, one of their better players. I'm pretty sure it was his senior year. Like, he, he was a fairly good player. And he just collapses. Barely. And he was a very good player. I, very, I very. saw somewhere, like – the NCAA didn't allow them to cover their medical expenses, which I guess t- legally that's okay. But, bro, like, it's that's why, man, that's why I'm always I'm hyping players up that go in the transfer portal, hyping players up to be like, you know what, I'm going overseas. Forget all that, man. I, that's that's messed up. That's terrible, bro. Obviously, player health and safety, everyone agrees, should come first. I think that there needs to be a 
like in health, I mean, physical and mental health. Cause like, if you're not right mentally, you're not going to play like you physically, you're not going to be in shape, you know, like that's just obvious. I think if these players are mentally healthy, so they're getting what they want due to Corona, like there, if there is a bubble family comes in, great. They're happy. Let them play. If they want to play, don't force it. You know, kind of like the colleges are doing a red shirt here. Like don't force it. Like give them another year on the contract. Maybe don't pay them all the way this year. Give them money to pay their house payment, whatever that is, stuff like that. Obviously they make millions. So, some of them might not even need it. Help them out, make sure they're mentally healthy, keep them physically healthy away from Corona, and hopefully by next season, everything will be good. Mm. You know, that's our whole yep. little spiel on that. Shout out, Grant. That was a good little topic. I like that. But moving on. I want to talk about a little bit of baseball because uh, there's some news that's been going on. Uh, last week, we didn't really hit the New York Mets trade. Uh, Lindor and Carrasco, uh, Francisco Lindor calls Carrasco to the Mets. That makes them a true powerhouse, I believe. Uh, they have a top player in baseball in Francisco Lindor. They have a great pitcher in Carlos Carrasco to go along with Thor, you know, Noah Syndergaard and Jake DeGrom, two of the best pitchers in baseball, joining their rotation. Uh, obviously that's set in stone, but now this week there's even more rumors that Chris Bryant is going to the Mets. Mm. If Chris Bryant goes to the Mets, yikes. That, that definitely shake that definitely shakes up their side of things. Uh Yankees fan, I don't like seeing the Mets be good because the Mets are good. That means the Yankees could lose to them. It's it's never good to lose to the Mets. Uh, I'm a big fan of Lindor. I, I've never had a problem with him. So the fact they went to the Mets puts a sour taste in my mouth, definitely. Uh, but, I mean, the Mets, from the moves they've been making as of late, they're all in and what they're doing right now. They're pushing for whatever their plan is, their plans to win the pennant. They're making sure it's now. That's their push right now. So, I mean, I respect what they're doing. Uh, it'll be fun to see how it plays out. Yeah, but the whole thing with Lindor, uh, the Yankees, this is my kind of key point. The Yankees have not re-signed DJ LeMayu. American League MVP finalist, two years in a row, led league in batting average, great hitter, 31 years old, and in baseball you can play till you're 40. Um, aren't re-signing him yet. And uh, one of the biggest things is it does sound really weird to say out loud, but obviously if we couldn't re-sign LeMayu, I wanted Lindor. Um, and not only that, he's going right across town in New York City to the Mets. But uh, DJ LeMay needs to get re-signed. Obviously, that's a huge concern for Yankees fans everywhere. A uh, huge concern for just baseball fans in general because every team wants DJ LeMay. Like, he's that good. Uh, best second baseman in baseball. Can play shortstop, can play third base. I'm pretty sure he's played outfield before. But uh, one of the things, Yankees fans, calm down. Because if you remember just a few years ago, there's another stud. He was a shortstop that uh, wanted a huge contract from the Yankees. His name is Derek Jeter. Um, Jeter had a great year in 2010, I believe. He hit about 300, which is career average for Jeter, 300 straight in baseball. But uh, he wanted about a five-year deal worth $75 million. And the Yankees are like, absolutely not. And I believe uh, Jeter said Brian Cashman, who, you know, is Yankees GM, making all the trade signings over there. So Jeter, he's like, see ya, like, 
if you don't want to take our deal, which was three years, 51 million, he's like, we're get, we'll give you three years, 51 million. If you don't like that, go somewhere else, go find your value somewhere else. And he told that to Derek Jeter, who, as everybody knows Jeter, everybody loves Jeter, probably in our lifetime, the most popular Yankees player. One of, yeah, probably all time. Like anybody my age, if your favorite team is the Yankees, your favorite player is Jeter, you know, unless you got a close relationship with someone else. Everyone loves Jeter. They basically told this guy who's been with the Yankees since, what, 94 and 2010, go find it somewhere else. Like, like, we'll see you. Thanks for playing with us. Thanks for giving us five rings, whatever. Go find it. And Jeter's like, okay, I will. Well, he came back a few weeks later and accepts a three-year, $51 million deal from the Yankees. So that's my thing with the whole DJ LeMahieu situation. The Yankees know what they're doing. The Yankees have always been good our whole lives. The Yankees have never had a bad season. You know, so I think the Yankees fans are overreacting with DJ LeMayu. Maybe he does want too much money. I don't know his exact contract that he wants. Maybe they are right. Maybe they do have a little inside edge. Like, yeah, no one's going to give this guy a super long-term deal. I mean, granted, you can play until you're 40 in a lot of cases compared to other sports. Maybe they're out there thinking, like, you know, nobody's going to give this guy a five-year deal and have him until he's 36 because what if, what if something happens? Like, next season he breaks his ankle. What if he hits 250 next year instead of 360? You know, so I think the Yankees fans need to chill out with that whole thing. Granted, Yankees need to re-sign him. Uh, and don't overdo yourself if you are the Yankees. You know, like, don't go out there and stick to the bare and try to give him a minimum deal when, you know, Someone maybe like the Mets is out there like, hey, we'll give you what you want. You know, because in baseball, there's no salary cap. That can be a big deal. But overall, Yankees fans, I think it's way too early to overreact. That's my whole point. But if you are the Yankees, time seems to be like seems to be ticking a little bit because your team right across town is making some big moves to players that could potentially replace LeMayu if you don't get him back, as in Lindor. Shout out Yankees, best team in baseball. Sounds Hopefully, cool. recently Mayhew. Uh, I'm a big fan of them, and uh, you know, going off that Derek Jeter story, it did seem as if I'd never heard the story myself, so it did really sound as if it was a Yankees bluff. But uh, they were playing on the heart chords of Jeter. Jeter had been there for 16 years at the time. Lemayhew's only been with the Yankees organization, well. He's only been actually on the Yankees themselves for a few years now. So it is one good year, but the chances of the good year happening next year uh, makes me, I wouldn't say desperate to re-sign him, but he was a key piece in the Yankees' success this off or this past year. So I'm praying, Yankees, please re-sign him. I know you don't want to overpay but there's no salary cap and we're so rich. I'm not saying give him what he wants, but just let's make him happy. Bring him back, please. Thank you. Any Colt, any words? No, I have huge, huge Yankees fans. Me and Grant are. Um, That's about it. I mean, as a Red Sox fan, I'd like to see him leave. Um, I, saying he's a, he's a big part. Even that, I feel like, is is undermining his value just for the simple part because I think that he was the biggest part of their offensive capability. Um, I feel like just slotting in somebody at leadoff who you know is is at least going to get you a hit a game, 
who's batting 330, 340, 350 a season. And not only that, but he's going to give you power at the leadoff spot. Um, the, Lakey, the Yankees lineup is deep. It's deep every year, which means that seven through nine is going to be able to hit the ball too. So a lot of the times the leadoff batter is coming up with people on base. Um, he, he's always at the top of whichever conference. Um, he, he was in the NL. He's in the AL now. He's always at the top with RBIs. Um, I feel like the, the Yankees, I hope that they play this thing too close, too close, and then a team like the Dodgers just swoops in and gets them. Um, I'd like to see it. But um, seeing all these teams make moves, you guys are talking about getting LeMayhew, um, the Mets getting Lindor and Carrasco. The Red Sox are sitting there. We dumped off bets that uh, this past year. And then they're talking about dumping off Ben Attendee now. So it's like at this point, I don't know what we're doing. Ben Attendee, I thought that we didn't dump, dump off Ben Attendee because he was a young piece and we want to build around young pieces. But, damn, screw it. We don't want young people either. We don't want old people especially when those old people can win World Series and still be a top two outfitter in the MLB. I mean, screw it, we don't need them. But that's another for another story for another day. Um, the Yankees, Yankees are going to be good regardless with or without LeMahieu. I'd like to see him leave because I think that the departure of LeMahieu would hurt the Yankees more than Yankees and Yankee fans anticipate. I feel like he was the biggest part. And, and I'm talking about offensively. Defensively, he's no bluff. Like Ryan said, he, he plays second. He plays shorts. He plays third. He plays first. He plays all over the field. And not even that, he's not a bum. I mean, he could easily win a gold glove. So, I mean, he, he's, a, he's a big part. He's one of the best players in the league today. Um, but I'd like to see him go to a new place. You're just a hater. I'm not a hater. I'm just the a Yankees hater. Red Sox fan. Yeah, but I'm an overall hard Red Sox fan. That's our whole big thing. Yankees, get on that. Please make me happy. Don't overpay though, because I like to see new free agents coming in every now and then. Overall, though, uh, that's all we got for this week. Obviously, we'll be back next week. Shout out low quality sports. Shout out Pub Sports Talk. You guys know how that's going. And uh, I can't forget the circus as well. Make sure you're checking them out. They should be having new content soon. Um, also, Grant's birthday at the time of recording was yesterday. So we want to say happy birthday to Grant. Keith, your birthday is soon, right? Tomorrow. Tomorrow, baby. Tomorrow. So uh, at the time you're listening to this, if you're listening to it on Friday, make sure you reach out to Keith. Happy birthday there. But um, that's all we really got for this week. Check out our other friends. They're doing great stuff over there. Uh, thank you, Keith, for being on. Anything you want to say? Yeah. Um, go Pack. Oh, shout out Joshua Weissman for the crew neck. Check him out on YouTube and Twitter and everything else you own. Um, go Pack. Again, cool. Don't make if you ain't game. Um, go pack Timberwolves. Please do something. Um, Dallas draft Patrick Sertan, and I want to see a Rogers Mahomes Super Bowl. I like it. Great birthday boy. Go pack Green Bay. Go pack go. Uh, beat the Rams win the Super Bowl, and I would be a very happy boy. And re-sign the major, please. Yankees. Nasty 19. Ooh-wee. Thank you guys for listening. We'll see you all next week.